Hi everyone! Welcome to the Curiously Creative Podcast. Curiously Creative loves creativity and inspiring people to follow their own creative curiosities. We hope to bring you a bit of joy and inspiration with everything we do so that you can fall in love with creativity too. I'm your host, Akriti Lee, and each month I share conversations with all kinds of creative people who share their journeys and unique perspectives around their own creativity. We hope these conversations help us understand our own creative process and have the courage to live more creative lives. Today, I'm so, so happy to be presenting an incredibly thoughtful, soulful, talented, and lovely as Pamela Geisertite. Pamela is a dancer, teacher, and entrepreneur from Lithuania. Having started dancing when she was five years old with traditional Lithuanian folk dance, she became spellbound by the swing dance Lindy Hop at the age of 16. She very quickly became a highly acclaimed competitor, international instructor, judge, and performer working alongside some of the best in the world. She also runs her own coaching program alongside designing and managing her own dance shoe range, Swinging Shoes. Okay, all right. Firstly, thank you, Pamela, for coming to New Zealand. Yay. Um, so we could get a chance to do this and learn from you. So pretty much the first thing to talk about and ask you about is how did it all first start up for you? Because did you always know that you wanted to go take a dancing pathway? Or? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so how everything started? Yeah, how like, did you get into doing what you're doing? Okay, so I was 16, I saw Lenny Hop on YouTube, and I was like, wow, this is great, and I want to do it, and my brother pushed me to do it, and... Before that, I was dancing traditional folk dancing, but I didn't really want to dance because I thought, well, I just have to because that's what you do when you're a kid. Your parents put you so- somewhere and you keep doing it. But then when I stopped dancing that traditional folk dancing, I started missing some activities with movement because I tried the theater. Mm-hmm. It was kind of okay, but not really my thing. And then Lindy Hop came into my life and we did it for fun. How did it come to you, into your life? Saw it on YouTube, like send it to my friends. They were like, oh, I think I know where the class is happening. We went Mm -hmm. there, we sat through the first class, like looking what's happening. Teachers were super charming and we were very young. So we were (laughs) like, okay, you know. And I'm very glad that I started young because then you stick to things. Because when you start something, when you're 16, 17, it's like a normal thing to stick for it, like for two, three years. And then I got invited to train with the group and then next thing I know I'm subbing some classes and I think I started teaching when I was 18 and subbing some classes when I was 17. My f- I always worked like a, uh, in a way to make some pocket money. Mm-hmm. So I used to do jewelry and things like this and then another job I got was being a clown in the kids birthday parties. But I think I did that like for half a year because then I started teaching Lindy Hop and I was a horrible teacher (laughs) because I was very young, very inexperienced, super nervous and everybody in the class were older than I was. So it was, it took me some time to, you know, get into it. But I think it's normal. It's like a journey, you know. So that started. But I wanted to be a dance teacher. Uh, At first I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But I think when I was 17, 
I admired my teacher so much and I, and I used to go home and practice in front of this big mirror pretending that I'm teaching a class. Nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just be like, okay, everybody, we're going to do that. And there's no one behind me. <laughs> it's just like a wall. <laughs> that is so awesome. Well, you got to practice what you got to practice. You know, but you know, when you're alone at home, you do and you fantasize whatever you want. So I was like, I think I want to be those cool people, you know, but I didn't expect to become one. I was just like playing, you know, playing a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I became one and I was like, hmm. So when you wish for something, things falls into Place. places, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I was like, I want to travel so much. I have no money because uh, my family are, we're great and is great. And, but we didn't have a lot of money, so we could be like sparing it for my travels. I used to borrow some money to go to some festivals because we used to take a road trip to Ljubljana, Slovenia, to mm -hmm. this festival. So I used to like win party passes competing in Jack and Jill to go to another event. And then I would win a, new, a competition there so I could enter an event in my own country for free, you know? So Wow. Yeah, I was very, very lucky. And I always had so much support. I am so thankful because as much as I remember, it was always, I was always uh, feeling support from other Lithuanians and from mm -hmm. my teachers and from my friends. So that was that. And then I was like, okay, I want to travel. I have no money. And when I started traveling to events, I think I maybe it was 18, 19, I saw these international teachers and I was like, hmm, they get to travel and earn money. And I was like, that would be so cool. But I remember back then I was in university, so I was like thinking, okay, I will finish university, I will find a job, and then I will be like my Lithuanian teachers, who mm. were at that time, I think, 25, 26, something like this, and they were starting to travel as well. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, because that was the example I saw. Mm. I was like, okay, when I'm going to be 25, 26, I'm going to find a dance partner, we're going to work hard, and when we're 25, 26... I'm going to start traveling. Mm. And it's funny to say that because now I'm 27 and I'm like, huh, it would you've be only the second year of traveling, you know, or something like this. And you've done way more than that. And it, everything <laughs> happened when I was 20 years old. So I started dreaming about it a little bit too early, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it just happened like this. Uh, uh, a guy approached me. Yeah. One of the dancers uh, uh, who was an uh, international teacher approached me and said, maybe you want to practice, and it just snowballed into me traveling almost every weekend in the first year. So that was super, super fast and very, very challenging. But that's how I got into it. It took me by surprise, even though in some way I wanted it. But you know when they say, like, uh, dream carefully because mm -hmm. your life will give you something that you don't really really want it or yeah. the way you want it but at the same time life gives you something that you can handle you know yes yes so that's and the story so uh you were in university what were you studying in university creative industries create what is that such so like a very creative name yeah <laughs> what does that mean for very simple <laughs> studies it's like i think i would have gotten a communication diploma right but it was like five different subjects every half a year back then. So I, I would study film, 
industry, group psychology. Oh man, I don't even remember anymore. It was just like different things. Um, English, <laughs> animation, I did that, stop motion, project management, so like different things and I liked it because yeah. I like new information, I like when things are always changing mm -hmm. so I don't get bored because I get bored easily. So when you got this opportunity to kind of train with this international mm -hmm. teacher, was it like your last year? What was the no, time frame? I think between? it was first year or second year. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, and you know when I was raised in the way you finish the school, you yeah. go to university and yeah. then you find a job. I think it was first or second year, something mm -hmm. like this. So he was like, let's train and then come to United States, I'm gonna put a tour for us, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, I can't, I have university and I work at a dance studio, you know? Mm. I was like, I don't think I can do it. And I remember people were not shocked, but surprised being like, whoa, you got such a big opportunity mm. and you're turning, turning it down. I was like, I don't want to turn it down, but I feel responsibility to, you know, like give people notice that I'm going to leave for like three months or something yes. like that. So I cannot just leave the studio like this and... What do I do with university? Like, I yeah. had to apply for vacation, you know, and I was just like, it was very scary. And I remember struggling a lot with this. Now that I look back, I'm like, you know, you just do whatever you do. Yeah. But back then, I, it was very scary for me. Because yeah, I didn't mm -hmm. travel that much prior to this trip, you know. Yeah. So I would travel, I traveled a few times. But I, and I barely spoke in English as well, you know. So I was like, what? I don't know. I'm like afraid to be tricked, you know. Mm. Shipped to United States. It's sold on, I don't know, market. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. yeah, 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 yeah. But the guy was cool with it. Uh, he came to Lithuania. We practiced. And then what I did, I finished the school year, like, two months earlier so I took all the exams two months earlier which was super super difficult and then I left to the States for three months or two months I think to to practice and to work right so you did finish your university like you no. did or did you drop it I dropped it later you dropped so it I later. still okay. suffered through another year or yeah. another two years something yes. like this I'm, I'm curious about that tension, you know, when you're like, okay, I've got all these things already lined up that I'm doing, have responsibilities for, but now this opportunity has come out. Do you remember how you kind of resolved it to the point where you're like, you know what, it's okay for me to not finish or do this, or okay for me to drop these other responsibilities? Do you remember what that was like? A little bit. I remember struggling a lot, and I remember being worried a lot. Because I was young, you know, yeah. when we're young, I, I think we worry so much. At least I was, mm. you know. I made it work, so I stayed in university, so yeah. I worked more mm. than I, you know, or faster. I just mm. did more things, and and uh, in the end, I managed to make uh, traveling work together with working at the studio and studying mm -hmm. for quite some time mm -hmm. until I started burning out. Right. And then, you know, like I started setting priorities and then I moved to Barcelona to live there to work there and to st I stopped my studies for one year and then I was traveling and working in Barcelona as a dance teacher like mm -hmm. in a, another local school so it was hard and I remember some people were angry on me or 
or maybe jealous i don't know you know whatever was that but it was a little bit of a friction between some dancers and me but time heals everything and i think even though i was struggling i was still choosing to do it for me i was like no there's no question like i will try to make it work Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't work i still choose dancing because for me it was just like such a huge opportunity you know do you remember if there was like a flip or a switch or a turning point of some sort from doubting what to do mm-hmm. to then going, no, I am going to follow mm-hmm. this through because of this and this reasons, mm-hmm. even though this is upsetting other people. So was there any point in that story, in that moment in your life where you're trying to make choices mm-hmm. of what to let go and mm-hmm. what to continue with mm-hmm. that kind of gave you that clarity and courage? So for me, there was a few things. I am a person who believes, for example, in love or mm-hmm. in taking risks or I don't like to suffer. Mm. I will suffer for quite some time, but then I will be like, okay, I do want to be healthy. I, don't want, I do want to be content. I do want to have calmness in, in my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would reach the point where I'm like, okay, I am studying in university, but I'm studying for the grade not for the knowledge. And I was like, for me, it's very clear that I, I, I shouldn't keep doing it. And I kept doing it for quite some time because my parents were kind of pushy. You have to finish university. You have to finish university. But I kind of find ways to trick them. I was like, oh, I took vacation for a year. And then I took another vacation for a year. And then I quit it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, when are you going back to university? I'm like, I'm going back to university, don't worry. Mm -hmm. And then they just stopped asking at a certain point. (laughs) So that was (laughs) the issue with university. Living somewhere else. The thing is, uh, back then, dancing was not my strong point. It's not like I became this amazing dancer like this and then I got to travel. Mm -hmm. I skipped a lot of steps. I was thrown into a river and they're like, swim, you Mm -hmm. know? And of course, I was getting support from other dancers and my partners, but, you know, I still had to learn a lot. So I was so busy dealing with that and so stressed about it or like so into it, depending on the moment. Mm. So everything else just became small, I guess. So I was Mm. just paying my attention somewhere else. And at some point, I would understand that like, oh, I disconnected from my friends or I disconnected from my family but then I would try to find what is it working for me so I would come back home almost every month for a weekend Mm. so that would make me feel like I'm connected Um, and then the sad part about this job that if you want to change something it takes at least a year and a half to change because we get booked if we want Mm. to like for a year forward like in the future and you know in the beginning you say yes to everything because it's opportunity mm. and you feel like you have to do it so just like yeah and with different years and different mentality different choices and different things would happen sometimes I would be like because I don't want to suffer I change things sometimes because I get encouraged I change things mm. or things happens in life like I am um, person who I knew died and mm. um, that shook me very strongly and then I was like 
wow, life is so much clearer now. Now mm. I'm going to change things around me. I will travel less. I will change dance partners mm. because I actually don't enjoy working with this dance partner. He makes me stressed all the time or, mm. or things like this, you know? Right. Yeah, so it was like a mixture of like with your with the university situation, it was like, oh, I'm only doing this mm. to get a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Like your heart's not in it. And, yeah, the energy and that was not good enough for me. Mm-mm. And like slowly just getting out of it. But also because the energy was flowing in one direction towards the end. Like your focus was naturally was like, oh my God, figuring out steps, learning so much at such a rapid pace mm-hmm. that everything was naturally taking a back seat yeah. anyway. Yeah. I know the majority of the work that you do is uh, dancing and teaching dancing and performing but you've also um, got your own shoe line that you work on and then you're developing your own online classes and you already do online coaching and things for different reasons. So that's, that's a lot of different things, even though it comes under one umbrella. It's a lot of different hats mm. that you have to wear at different points and plus you travel a lot at the same time. In some ways, you could say that those are very different skills, mm-hmm. right? Um, the dancing, the performing, the teaching, managing the shoe, the designing of the shoes, the... Um... Well, design part was the easiest one <laughs> because it just took something very common yeah. and then change colors, adapt things, like making sure that it's slippier enough for dancers, that it would mm. work it for would the work way for I'm you. dancing, you know, so... I would not call myself a designer. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's pretty much how design works. I think that's just because you know who you're designing for. You know? <laughs> okay, so that's, that's the main thing. But I guess what I'm trying to come to is that how do you generally describe yourself to encompass all that you are involved in and do and is part of you and your working life? Because you can't say... I'm just a performer. You can't say I'm just a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, you you do have mm-hmm. different labels, so mm-hmm. to speak. So does that create any tension in you to kind of figure out how to articulate who you are or describe <laughs> yourself in one way? Oh, wow. I never thought about it. I thought you were going to ask something completely different. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what. But answering to your question... It doesn't bother me that I cannot put myself in one word. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I actually do call myself a dancer mm-hmm. or a teacher mainly. Mm-hmm. But somehow this falls or like contains everything you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So if I say I'm a dancer, this maintains already the shoe line, the coaching, the projects I do, mm-hmm. the online coaching or traveling. Like this is like surrounds everything mm. so for me dancer is such a broad word mm. you know and, and when, when I say dancer I don't even I'm not even thinking about swing dancing or lindy hop that mm-hmm. I do you know I'm like it's just such a big word for me and I'm like everything gets into that one it's a personality yeah. rather than a skill yeah exactly yes. it's like yeah. a lifestyle so a lifestyle you know mm. shoes are for dancers so it's still about dancing mm. you know but a lot of times I would introduce myself as a teacher because I love teaching and I got to love it and I studied so much for it and but for example if I say I'm a teacher the shoe line doesn't fall into the place mm. or like maybe at the same time, when I say I'm a dancer, I don't feel so much of a performer because I'm, I feel like I'm a social dancer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, da- I'm improvising constantly. And even though I do get to perform, but it's not like in a theater or on stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, let's say I'm, I'm between 
dancer and teacher, teacher. something like this. And sometimes one, one complements the other. So, but you kind of never have had uh, felt any tension or have had to feel like you have to think all too much about it because for you, the term dancer is not really uh, talking about a skill. It's about, like you're saying, a way of life or it's yeah. like y your personality and yeah. who you are. So everything comes from under that. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I think where I felt tension in describing myself is because, like, as a person in general, because I started doing this young I was yes. 20 21 I think that's young so I, w I wouldn't say I was fully developed mm. as a character or yeah. personality oh damn I struggled so much being like who I, who am I why do I feel like this like I remember myself as a teenager like this but I think I act very differently now like and I didn't didn't have enough of time to like contemplate or reflect on what is my personality? What is my values? Where is something? Because weekends would be, you know, such a joy and so much energy and so much people. And it's like, ah, and then I go back home and I'm like super tired and kind of sad, you know, like, because mm -hmm. there would be balancing, but I wouldn't understand what it is. I would be like, wow, you know, like I'm doing something that I love. Why am I upset? You yeah. know, or why I'm tired? It was just like not having enough of information or contemplating enough so i felt super lost of just who i am, I am as pamela mm -hmm. like how would i describe myself how would i describe my personality because on weekends i would act and behave very very differently than when what i would say and do back at home it, i felt like at least two different kind of people living within me so how did you figure it out in the end like <laughs> therapy <laughs> <laughs> talking through it with someone and a lot of therapy a lot of books wonderful friends mm. a lot of reflection time there were moments like once when I was really really down one of my close friends he just gave me a book not a book like a like a diary like yeah. empty pages and he's like you just don't have time to digest what's happening in your life because it's like constantly so much and from mm -hmm. one thing you go to another he's just like write this down and that was the beginning of being like oh shit i think i need help and that's when i went to therapy mm -hmm. but it was for different reasons not only for from traveling but like yeah. from people that surrounds me and things like that like you say you're really young so it's like you've got all these opportunities and work coming at you, but at the same time, you're still developing who you are. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, you were a kid. Yeah, so yeah. that's what you look and you copy other people. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't know what's right, what's wrong. How, how do I act? What is professional? You know, mm -hmm. and then that's when you think about movies <laughs> and that's when you start reading about things and trying to form yourself, I guess. Mm. That's normal, it's just, you know, different environment, maybe not so common environment that I had to go through. Now, when I look back, I'm like, yeah, good job, I, <laughs> I, I made it, you know, like, but it was definitely struggling. So, with... Before you go, can yeah. I... Because when you start asking about how would you describe yourself, yeah. and about dancing and, and these different shoes, things... Shoes I thought you're gonna ask how I came to that point, mm -hmm. and why I want to talk about it is because this happened in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, please talk about it. All right, continue. Yeah. So four years ago, when I was here for the first time, or yeah. five years ago, I don't remember. 
me and Mikey, we went to Hobbiton. Yeah. And I thought that's so silly because, you know, like it's New Zealand, like so many places to see. But at that time, I didn't really know how to travel for pleasure either, you know. So I was like, yeah, let's go to Hobbiton. You know, I don't know anything about anything, you know. So I was like dragging along with my dance partner. Um, and yeah, and he was so excited about it and he bought like little souvenirs and I was kind of teasing him, you know, like, oh, you're like a little kid. And he's like, what are you talking about? You're the one who doesn't have hobbies. And I was like, what do you mean? Ho hobbies? I'm like, dancing is my hobby. And he's like, no, no, dancing is your work. And that was revolutionary for me, being like, oh, if it's my work, then I can hate it and love it and, and want to quit it and then, you know, get excited about it. So long story short, because of that conversation, I was like, huh, I needed hobbies. So how did you go about finding a hobby then? Were you just like, fine, I'll do a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like shoes, I like dance shoes. Let's do some dance shoes. <laughs> the dance shoes came in life a little bit differently. Very unexpected. Like Things for me happens unexpectedly. I blab about it and then it happens. I'm very lucky. <laughs> no, so But yeah, then I was I freaked out. I was like, oh, I guess I like um, photographs. I take pictures with my phone, <laughs> which is not, not, not it. But then I started, maybe I was like, okay, then maybe reading or maybe movies. What is it? Maybe music? And all of these things I used to do, mm. but I would not be a little bit extra more into would, mm. than what I would call hobby. Just realizing it that I don't have hobbies made me find hobbies. So I started trying out different things. I went for yoga. I went to, to, to swim. I started reading more certain books. I got a little bit more into the music, I started drumming. Now the hobbies are changing for me because mm. I'm very inconsistent. <laughs> Dancing is the only thing in my life that stayed for so long. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it started. Shoes, they they just happened because, well, long story short, my, my friend was dancing in boots, I saw it, I bought, I bought the boots, and I was buying them for quite a bit of time, then they stopped making them, so I went to Shoemaker, I was like, look, I want these boots, but this color, you have to change the front, let's do this heel, let's make the bottom more slippery, blah, 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 mm. and she did it, and I was like, you know what, a lot of dancers will want this, so maybe, you know, you will have to make this for my friends too. And then the shoemaker was like, just open your own brand. I was like, ha yeah, sure. And then I told that about my about that to my friends. And then they were like, yeah, we should do it. You should do it. And then they make, made a logo. And then I created an Instagram account. And I accidentally shared it. I don't know how that happened. And then I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm doing it. And I just got very supportive friends who, who were like, yeah, just do it. doesn't matter that you don't have a name or a logo or whatever just yeah. do it you know so that's how it started so it's just like get it started so i yeah. me as a person i believe if you want to do something talk about it loud and talk about it as much as you can because for me things comes from a place i just want to have this in the world mm. so if i'm not the one who's gonna do it but someone else great i'm gonna be happy and i'm gonna give you a high five so I wanted, I was like, yeah, if, so, if someone else does the, the great shoes and like go for it. And there is way more sh shoemakers now or like lin Linny Hop shoes or mm. shoes for dancing than it used to be. Like what, three years ago or four years ago when I started it, you know? So I'm like, great, that doesn't make me feel anything because it's not my main job. So I don't care, you know? Mm. And then when I want to do different kind of jobs I talk about it I'm like oh I don't know I want to create this app for 
dancers when you like share this or whatever, whatever, you know. And I talk about it loudly, hoping that it will reach people and then they will come to me or they will do it, you know. Because mm. I, I do get asked, like, why are you saying this out loud? You're not afraid that they will steal your idea. I'm like, great, go for it. You know, I think it's great if, or like on, online coaching or whatever, you know, like mm. I'm not the only one who's doing it. Someone started before me for sure. But if I'm doing it, maybe more people will do it and there will be a new way to earn money as well, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. That's why, you know how you say, like, oh, you've been really lucky where you seem to just blab about something and then it just happens. And I think part of that is that mindset or that way of creating something before it exists where you detach from the idea. Or like, even though it's something that you want to do or want to see in the world, you're not talking about it from a place of ego. Yeah. Like, you're just like, you just want this to exist rather than go have any attachment to it being your idea or something that you do or something that's yeah. yours only. Yeah. And I think that way of manifesting mm-hmm. something into existence, I think it's quite beautiful because it, um, it takes form and it develops in a way that you probably would be beyond your even imagination yeah. in better ways that you could have even thought of. That attitude of yours yeah. is like beautiful and perhaps what has... A lot to do with why things just seem to happen, you know? Yeah, and of yeah. course there's like not, it's not like I talked about it and it happened, yeah. you know? Of course there's a lot it's of work, work. and yeah. I struggled, with shoes I struggled a lot and we had difficulties, you know? Or like with any kind of idea. But you know that book Big Magic? Mm-hmm. You have it, I think, on your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. That's one my That's what it talks favorite. about. Yeah. There's ideas. It's not like we create ideas. Ideas travels around and gives you opportunity to do them. Mm. You know. And yeah. But you have to do them as well. Like mm-hmm. just because you have an idea or an idea visits you doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's yours exactly. forever. Like exactly. you can choose to do them, but you can't be attached to them from the point that if someone else does it as well, yeah, because they're they're their own living thing. Like kind of that thing. There's no such thing as an original idea. Like exactly. everything comes from somewhere. Exactly. And no one owns any any of it. So with all the things that you've got going on, I want to touch a little bit on how do you manage your time and balance everything that you do so that whatever you are doing, you give it the time and attention and the energy Mm -hmm. that it needs or you want to give. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I struggle with that. Still struggle with that. It, it gets better. For example, I got a manager that Mm -hmm. took loads of work from my shoulders because being a, a dancer, the way we are, a lot of dancers, they manage their own emails and bookings and flights and all these things, which takes so much time. And some of us loves it. Mm. I hated it. It made me so unhappy. And again, I was talking about it loudly. I was joking. I need a manager. I need a manager, which is not a very popular thing for us to have. Mm. Now it's getting more into this idea of like, okay, I need to be managed. And then this person approaches me and he and she was like, I think I'm interested to be your manager. How does this work? Like, Amazing. <laughs> so she took loads, loads of time from my shoulders. So mm. I had more time to do different things. She can manage the, ad, the, the nitty-gritty, the back-end, admin stuff. Yeah, all yeah. these things. So mm. I don't have to worry about messages and things like that. And how about in terms of looking after yourself as well? 
Oh yeah, it's like a love and hate relationship. It's a lot of effort. I'm just happy that the whole world seems to be more into it. This like self-love thing, reflection thing, you know, like therapy thing. And it changed so much in my recent years. So I still struggle. Like recently I was like, okay, I have to stop multitasking. I just have to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember the days where I was learning how to multitask. I was like... How I never thought about washing dishes and listening to a podcast at the oh same time, God. you know? Multitasking is so overrated. <laughs> yeah, but I remember just being feeling like I waste my time so much. I could be driving a bus and reading a book, which is not such a weird thing, you know? But, but at the same time, listening to the music or, like, planning my day. It's just like I was learning how to do a lot, like, plan your time and have three hobbies instead of one, you know, because you have to learn so many things. And, and yeah, that was very challenging. Now I'm trying to pick a slower pace. Um, I put things on hold. I don't answer the messages. I, like, even though I have a shoe business and I'm showing, what is this? Quotes. Qu quotes. I have a shoe business. Quote, unquote. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's, for example, it's not, has not been working for a year almost mm. it's still there i still post some pictures i still sell it here and there like if I, if there was a festival in my country i would make a few pairs of shoes and then you know sell it yeah. there i still enjoy it but it's really i treat it as a project or as a hobby mm -hmm. so now i found a person to do that you know so that person will manage everything about the shoe so probably it's gonna be more going on mm. but that's again load off my shoulders yes you know but yeah trying to spend more time alone trying to do one thing at a time not feeling the stress of like i have to do this i have to do this i have to answer these messages i have to tidy my home i have to unpack when i come back from the trip and i'm super tired i shouldn't be tired like all of this i must i have to i should i shouldn't i put it on pause i put yeah. it on hold and i still get to downs and ups, I, mm. it still can be very irritating. But you know, I think step one is noticing it, being mindful, reflect about it, and then when the situation occurs, try to make a different choice or mm. try to notice when it happens. When I feel like I'm doing too much, okay, what can I do about it? Leading from that, talking about failure in that sense as well is, is a great discussion point an opportunity to learn. But when you're going through those moments, whether it's about self-care or something about your work, um, in that immediate moment, it feels like shit. <laughs> yep. So have you had moments where you felt like failure? And how did you get back up from those moments? Failure, when I felt like I want to quit? Or when I felt I'm not good enough? Um, I guess both. Um, both. Quitting points were a few. Mm -hmm. And I usually would get that after tours when I leave home for longer than three weeks. Now I know. <laughs> I didn't used to know that. So were you wanting to quit because you felt like you failed at something? I was just like, I felt, I felt tired. I didn't see the purpose of it. I wouldn't enjoy any moment of it. I wouldn't enjoy traveling. I wouldn't enjoy dancing. I wouldn't enjoy teaching. I would feel like, I don't know what's good, what's bad, how to do the thing didn't see the point why am I teaching I was like I was just like started to feel like 
what the hell am I doing? Like these people, they come here, they party, and that's it. What's the point of it? Like I didn't see more of that. Right. And then I was like, I go, I dance, you know, jump around like a, I don't know, like a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I jump around as a clown. Yeah. And then everybody's like, yeah, they praise for what, you know? And then I, I felt like all these dancers around me they have something else going on or they're like older or they have families or they way more happy than I am they struggle less I felt like I always struggle much more than everybody else around me mm -hmm. but nobody really talked loud about what is really happening in their heads so there were not one not two not three moments like that it was way more mm -hmm. which is less now because I found the limits I was like okay it shouldn't be out of home for three more than three weeks okay and if I do get to that point I'm like it's just tiredness talking it's just tiredness yeah. talking and then of course working not ten weekends in a row but maybe two weekends in a row and taking a break mm. but I definitely I remember dark days being like this dance sucks it's not even a professional dance you know like thinking that I'm I'm just like fooling people around you know who am I to say how this dance should be because I'm not not I didn't live in 20s, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm white, <laughs> female, you know, and yeah. things like this. And I felt like, and back then the dance was run a little bit more by men. They would like, I, I would say maybe teach more or determine more what's what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just felt blah and like, just very negative. Just felt very bad about myself as well being, I felt like I'm fooling people around me. You know, being like all happy and smiley, we're dancing, but actually suffering inside so much. Oh, that was a horrible times, so and that happened a few times. Yeah. So how did you get out of, get back up from those moments, or get out of those moments? Was that like you were saying just now, from realizing that it wasn't because you were not good enough, but it was because you were just tired? When I'm tired, the world is falling apart for me every mm. time. Because I'm a person who gets really high highs mm -hmm. and very low lows. Just in recent year or two, I started to find a little bit more of gray area. And again, it's because of, of through growing up, through therapy, and through friends. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I got help because I started talking loud about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, do you feel like this? This happens to you? How do you deal with this? So I was just trying to talk about it, ask about it. Do you get tired? Do you get uninspired? Do you feel like this, like that? How? Do, what do you think about the dance? You know, I, I was just like, I need to figure out if it's just only me who feels like this or everybody feels like that. Yeah. And I, I started, how do I say? So I'm supporting someone, but if I want support for someone... From someone else, yeah. yeah. I started to rely on other people. Okay. I opened ask. up and I was like... I need you to support me, I need you to give me closure, I need you to, you know, be there. And again, like in my situation, you know what, with which people I was working and things like this. When people changed, like the whole traveling and dancing situation changed. I used to work with people who was downgrading me, being like, you're not good, you're, you're never gonna be like this. 
you know, like very movie style yeah. <laughs> bullshit, you know, like you're not famous, you're not this, this, this person is better than you, like a lot of comparison, mm-hmm. just like a very unhealthy environment. Mm. Now I'm not in that environment. But I still get to feel like, oh, I think I'm not good or like this person is better. But then I talk about it loudly or like contemplate about it or write about it. And I'm still in therapy mm-hmm. and I love it. Mm-hmm. Like every time I get into like meh moment. Yeah. It helps to talk about it with mm-hmm. other people. It helps to reflect on it. And mm-hmm. That's what you do in therapy. I guess. So kind of you... Like, it's not like your feeling of comparison or failure goes away. We all have them. It's ongoing. It's not like you have it at one point in life and then you never have it. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's like, it's, I guess it's just finding those tools for you that work to go, okay, I'm going to write about it. I find it really helpful when I talk about it yeah. or give some of the pressure and the rely on someone else to help yeah. me yeah. Um, and things like that. So, I, so, you know, those tools are really awesome oh, to yeah. know for yourself but also for other people to hear as well because yeah. to go that it's not something that goes away it's always constant dealing oh, with constant, failure and constant, comparison constant. yeah the, the cre- i would call this the little critique person that mm. lives inside of me the the critique who says yeah. like in a critique what about this but what if people will think that what if uh, someone will think that you you're not good or that was bullshit or mm. that was shit you know and or I start comparing myself, and I think everybody goes through it. One thing that happens, you might do that less, mm-hmm. or you can recognize it faster and just say, no, I don't want to talk with you right now. Yeah. Or talk to it back. Uh, that helped me a lot. When my critique starts talking with me, being mm-hmm. like, oh, you were too loud, or you, you talked mm-hmm. too much, oh, you said too much, oh my God. Now you're, they're going to know a lot about you, and they can use that against, against you. you. And I'm like, oh, really? I had a lot of fun. I was inspired to talk and to share, and these people felt like they enjoy it too. I talk with the critique. Like, yeah. literally, like, insane person talks back to myself. yeah. yeah. And that shush the critique voice very often. It takes the power away yeah. from it. Because, because I'm like, oh really? Mm. Well, I don't care. Or like, I don't mind it. Or like, why would you say that? Because the thing is like, the voice that we hear that criticizes us, that comes from the past. It mm. can be your parents. It can be your teachers. It's like their voice. It's not you. Mm. It's someone else's put it feelings on you that they direct Yes. at you, you yes know? yes so that helped a lot so awesome. yeah it still happens mm. it just happens rare more rare and you have tools to deal with it you're completely right um, i want to talk a little bit about your dance process mm-hmm. like when you're in terms of creating mm-hmm. or anything choreographies performances etc how do you generally come up with your ideas and put something together it depends there's not one way. There's a few ways, definitely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes from other people. Sometimes it comes from a song. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes from idea of, like, I don't see this enough. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. Sometimes it comes from life, being like, wow, I really feel like this. I want to put it in the dance piece. And do you feel like you have particular ways tools practices or mindsets that help you be more creative with your own work or is that it like that approach to just being open to ideas from anywhere Mm -hmm. is what helps you be more creative 
I think it's like a compilation of things. It, it doesn't happen like, I want to create a performance, mm. so now I'm going to do it like this. The whole lifestyle makes you creative. The way I teach makes me get inspired to do a performance. So I'm teaching how to improvise, and I see people, and I'm like, wow, that's great. I have to remember this. We're just working on a skill of constantly creating. So when it comes to a performance, mm. the muscle is strong. Yeah? Yeah. So the approach is do it all the time. Yeah, that would be probably the approach. Mm. I always say, like, practice all the time. Like, you, you're cooking, like, do a tap step. You know, you're cooking, move your hips so you're working on your muscles there. You know, or you're wait, waiting for a bus, do a turn. Spin three times, you know? Mm. Like, I... I'm okay to be a weirdo in public places, you know, or <laughs> while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm thinking about like practicing my rhythms or whatever, mm-hmm. or like thinking, you know, like things like this. So I'm constantly practicing. Like I'm trying to find little places and spaces to constantly do it. So when it comes to the moment when we're like, let's put this together... I'm like, okay, I worked on these skills. Mm. I worked on how to hear my partner. I worked on music from different perspectives, you know? Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, no, no, that about. makes sense. So probably up. the approach is mm. do it as many different things that is attached to dancing. Mm-hmm. Music, history, because history can inspire you mm. a lot. Or, or events can inspire you a lot. Different kind of dances can inspire you a lot. Last time I felt most inspired is when I went to contact improvisation, which is a completely different dance. But mm. I was like, it just touched me something in the heart. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I just want to move, you know? Wow. So all the time, like, see things. I don't know. And have you ever experienced the flip side where you feel like you're stuck for inspiration or you're just not feeling motivated? Oh, definitely. How have you kind of got out of that funk? You wait through it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're like inspired, inspired, and you're happy, happy, and everything is good, there has to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Times will come when I, I don't want to dance at all. Yeah. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And before that, I would be like, I would be like what, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want to dance? I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think hitting the, the bottom is okay. Just wait through it. Of course, you put some effort. Like mm. maybe you drag yourself to the studio, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and then you yeah. go back home. Just like accepting it. Okay, this is it. I'm not inspired. Or like days, like a few days ago, I wanted to dance and I wanted to practice, but my body was just not really there, and I was like struggling. But I was like, even though I'm struggling, I can accept it and welcome this feeling, being like, well, today is like that. Today mm. is a more struggle day. Well, let's work on this muscle too. Does that make sense? Yep, no, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. So, what's your approach to learning? Is it that same thing that you were mentioning about, you know, taking the time to just try different things wherever you can, where it's in the kitchen, where it's in the lounge, the bus stop, at the train station? Would you say that's that, or do you have more? My approach of learning, because of my personality, is very free approach. I like improvisation I don't like many rules I like concepts but not that are very narrow like Mm. okay you have an exercise and you're gonna do this exercise now after this exercise you're gonna do that exercise 
I like to go like, I'm going to do this exercise. Ooh, I kind of understood something. I'm going to try that. Mm -hmm. So I allow myself to bounce from one thing to another. Also, the way I go about learning. Let's say I'm learning dancing. Yes, it's very important to do it with your body. But at the same time, it's not only that. If I really want to learn dancing, I need to learn different areas. I need to learn about music. I need to learn about history. I need to learn about other types of dancing. Maybe I need to read a psychology book that will help me to understand how the way we learn. Mm. You know, like things like this. Go and learn different things and see how you can attach to that thing. Yes. That's my approach. When it comes to learning, some of the barriers can be a the inner critic or a fear of other people criticizing you but there's also uh, compliments that can be the other side of that they can be just as crippling as criticism mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on this have you experienced moments where you felt you've had to be mindful or conscious of detaching from criticism as well as compliments so that yeah. it doesn't restrict your growth and learning yeah because it's a little devil too I, i'm reading this book about pride now mm -hmm. and i'm like oh my god oh my god let's come back to learning being thankful being humble being something because it's like a little devil it sneaks up on you like sometimes after touring and getting so much attention i think the world's spinning around me everybody's <laughs> talking to me and everything is about me and Oh, you know, and yeah. it's just mindfulness, mindfulness, being like, Shh, listen to this person. It's not only about you, like reminding yourself mm -hmm. these things because you get used to it. You know, in classes, I'm the one who's talking and everybody's listening. And then, you know, sometimes I'm noticing that I'm starting to interrupt people mm -hmm. or not really letting people to finish their thoughts. And I'm a volunteer in Youth Line, yeah. like on a hotline for suicidal. And I think that helps me a lot to be reminded to listen to other people, to be more humble, to be this. So that's a little bit of a practice for me, how to, you know, have the balance with uh, praising and compliments, mm -hmm. you know, and just being like thankful thankful not being like oh yeah thanks i know it yes it's about accepting the compliment but at the same time understanding that it's not about you it's about that person yes. you know as well so anything we say to other people it's not about other people it's about me how mm -hmm. i perceive things so when someone is like you're such a great dancer you're whatever whatever i'm very thankful and it's great but i have to understand that it's for them and then i just keep reminding that I think I reached the point where I can compliment myself as well. Mm. So other people' compliments are not... They're still important, but not so vital. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. they don't either put me on the clouds and be like, ah, mm. because I can have my own very rational point of view. Mm. Being like, I like this routine. I like the way I danced in here, you know? Mm. But I can still be like, I know where I want to go and what I want to improve and what I want to keep it and things like that. So yes. I think it used to be more um, effective, the compliments and the criti criticism from other people mm. than it's now. Mm. It's still important, like of course we still react to other people's opinion because we don't live alone in this 
world. Like we live with people, so it is important, but it's like the armor is different. What is your advice on becoming your own artist and developing your own artistic personality? Exploring, trying to be brave to change things. Ask yourself if you're doing it for others or for yourself. Mm. What is the message that you want to do? And uh, one thing is to do it only for visuals or only for entertainment, yeah? But I think for me, the true art where there's a little bit more behind it. So if I know myself, if I'm able to meet myself, the true self that I am, then I think it's easier to create something as well mm. within style of yours. But for that, you need to explore, 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 try as many different things. And there's a great dancer, I don't remember his name, I think it's a tap dancer, who said, I'm thankful for my masters who let who let me copy them until I found my own style or my own voice. Yeah, great quote. Mm. Yeah, reflecting, asking questions and trying to find answers by yourself. That helps me a lot too, being mm -hmm. like, okay, how can I have my own style? And sometimes this question can hang above my head for a long time. But little by little, I will gather the answers mm -hmm. or I will try different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So my advice would be ask the question and let it be there with you. And you will start finding answers while you're exploring and searching for things. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that same way, I guess, what are your thoughts on being a good artist versus being a good teacher? Because you resonate with both, right? For you, you're a dancer as well as a teacher. It's two different things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can be both, I think. I know mm -hmm. people who are great dancers and great teachers. I know some people who are amazing teachers, but ne not necessarily falls into a scale of like very impressive dancer, mm -hmm. like very flexible or very creative or something, mm -hmm. but they have a power to make other people that. Mm -hmm. I have a teacher like that and I'm so thankful for them actually, it's not mm. only one teacher mm. who made me learn a lot. And I would not say that when I look at them, I'm like, oh my God, I want to dance like you. But the way they taught me, the way they, they shared their thoughts with me, I would say they're great teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know amazing dancers, amazing dancers, so talented, who turned out not to be good teachers, impatient, in not respectful, annoyed a lot of times and I don't think that's a good quality of teacher mm -hmm. so if you can be both great if you can be one great then that's when you choose different paths mm -hmm. you know so being a performer being an artist but teaching can be art as well you know mm -hmm. but yeah I think it's just different set of skills that you need like as an artist you can have all the skills you need like flexibility, speed, accuracy, whatever, whatever. But if you don't have that bigger thing, that I don't know what it is, a soul, um, mm -hmm. talent, uh, what there, there's different things that people call it. Like and the you will not make it, you know? And then if you have that thing, that charm, that mm, like something so interesting and so like, you know, when you cannot take your eyes off mm -hmm. or like when someone is doing something, you just feel it. Yeah. 
when you have that, then other things can be, you know, maybe technique can, doesn't have to be so good. And if teacher has that, it's great too. Mm. But you use it in different way. I think when you're performing, your goal is to involve people in a very different way. When you're teaching, your goal is to make them to go and do that too. Does that make sense? Yes. No. Just, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great way to describe <laughs> it. Thank you. What has helped you develop more courage and confidence in your journey and work so far? Changing things. Those things that were super scary, but then the stop, the world didn't stop spinning. And every time, you just feel more courage. And uh, literature, people around me taking example from others. But yet, yeah, first thing was probably in my line of work is when I decided to change partners. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be out of work. I'm going to have to go and work in the supermarket. <laughs> and it didn't happen like that. Even though I thought it would be. I still have work. <laughs> so that moment of just like taking that leap. Yeah. And then it not falling apart. Yeah. It takes one step. And you're like, oh, okay. Exactly. It's okay to do this. Yeah. So that's kind of set more courage. Yeah. To take more risks. Yeah. I think yeah. courage is a, a muscle that you train too. You know, you start with small things and then you go for bigger things. Mm-hmm. Or you start big things, you freak out, but you deal with it. Yeah, just seeing brave people around me helps a lot as well. Okay, we'll finish off with a quote. Last one. It's a quote by Neil Gaiman, where he says that, At the end of the day, the only thing that's perfect is a blank sheet of paper, untouched with nothing on it. And if you are questing for perfection, then you will leave that paper blank. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my God! You know, what does that quote make you feel, or what thoughts run to your in your head when you hear that? Okay, it's just, it can be different areas mm-hmm. what we're talking mm-hmm. about. It's mm-hmm. like in the end, I think this talks about if you want to do something, then you have to put things on paper because it's never gonna be perfect, you know, because otherwise you will do nothing. Oh, for and me, the first response when I hear it, I guess it's um, all of us. We have something untouchable that is perfect with within ourselves Mm -hmm. and we should just leave it as it is does that make sense so there's some things that we have to put so much effort and so much work otherwise we will get nowhere but the core thing we should leave it as a blank paper and just and it's perfect as it is already does that make sense yes that makes sense yeah so we have that inner little thing that we don't have to do anything with it. It's already there. So if we want it to be perfect, we just believe in it and we keep it. Oh, yeah? Beautiful. But then all the other things, we will get nowhere if we will do nothing. Oh. <laughs> that last answer made me cry. Oh, that was so beautiful. All right, so... In my cheery voice, <laughs> we finish off the interview. Thank you so much, Pamela. It was so nice to have this chat and get a chance to talk about so, so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. So that's it for this episode of Curiously Creative. We hope it has sparked a little or a lot of creativity and curiosity in you. Curiously Creative is a production by Curiously Creative. Who would have thought? 
So if you'd like to know our comings and goings and check out some more inspiring content, head on over to curiouslycreative.co.nz. Until the next episode, with lots of love and a massive splash of joy, Akriti, your creative curiosity advocate. Oh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a comment on iTunes as it helps more people find these conversations.